Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists out there today. It has been said one too many times, mostly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games out there that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on. It leads to a serious case of fear of missing out. Too many good games. Well, we're going to go back to the well. This is our third bolt action episode in a row. Uh, I guess that includes the uh, the Warlord cast. So the first one, of course, was Bolt Action Vietnam. The second one was the Warlord cast interview with Alessio, talking about the development of uh, Bolt Action and how the FAQs work. Both fantastic episodes, if you want to go back and have a listen. Um, the guests on that, those shows were absolutely awesome. Uh, and I thought, if we are going to do another Bolt Action, if we're going to hit the trifecta, I got to bring in the big guns, and I got to bring in great content. So this week, we have a pre-release look at the new campaign book, Stalingrad. And if I'm going to start looking at those units, if we're going to dig in deep, we're going to get nitty-gritty, we're going to talk crunch, there's two extremely talented bolt-action players with fantastic analytical minds that had to be the guests tonight. Of course, one is a regular on this show. Uh, he came second in this year's annual Cast Ice Trivia Contest. Um, he is literally the most analytical player who I love to play. Uh, always a good time. A gentleman and a scholar. Lee Avery, welcome back to Cast Ice. Thanks for having me again, Brad. Man, you just... Been... Yeah. Well, How... It's been not too long. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you were just here. How many has it been? It's been a, it's been a few. Uh, five or six, I think we're up to. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, uh, that is only one of our talking heads this evening. On the other side of the desk, we have uh, a true legend of uh, wargaming, both in Australia and in Europe, uh, a man who plays a few games, uh, but Bolt Action is one of his great loves. He is one of the founding members of the game club that uh, adopted me when I moved to Australia in the very first got here, and is probably my first friend in Australia, even though now he lives in Scotland. Of course, I'm talking about uh, Home Guard Radio's own Al Unicom. Welcome to Cast Ice, man. How you doing? Really good, Brad. Thank you for uh, one of your legendary introductions, and it's nice to be back on the cast. I think it's been over a year and a half since you had me on, mate. I was beginning to think you, uh, you didn't like me. No, man, it's just uh, to scheduling, you know, uh, when you're in the uh, the great Scottish north, uh, you got to, you know, just got to pick your bad, pick your times. Uh, and uh, I thought since we are uh, going to be talking the frozen city fighting of Stalingrad, we uh, we should get someone from up north to talk shop. Gentlemen, um, let me give a quick preamble and then we will dig in now. Stalingrad, of course, is one of the great World War II battles. It is iconic. It is what we think of when we think of World War II. Outside of D-Day, um, it is possibly the most famous World War II battle that was fought. Um, now, that is saying something because in the West, we don't often focus on the German and Soviet conflict. More often than not, we think about when we think of Europe, we think about, you know, battling through hedgerows and uh, retaking France and Italy and all of those campaigns. Now, with Stalingrad, 
We have had it sort of mentioned and talked about in quite a few theater books, uh, in, in armies of books. It's always sort of been on the periphery, but we finally now get a full book about the battle. Now, there will be a Warlord Games podcast coming out in the next couple of weeks where I will interview the author. And in that, we are going to talk the, the, the battle itself. We're going to get into the history. We're going to dig into the missions. We're going to talk at length about how the theater selectors link to the missions, link to the history. And we're going to look at the overall, you know, the zoomed out look at Stalingrad. And then we'll dig in in some depth as well. However, these guys are numbers guys. They are, I mean, they're also amazing painters and artistic, but they are also analytical. And so today we are going to look at the part that we are most often, that I most often get uh, feedback from the Warlord cast that we want more of, which is digging in at the unit level, digging in at the unit analysis, that the units that are appear in these books. And so what you're going to hear today is a list or a discussion of the units that appear in the Stalingrad book for both the Germans, uh, for the Soviets, and even, you know, the Romanians. Uh, And then we're going to talk a little bit about theater selectors and some of the special rules you'll find in the book. That said, all of us have read the book. Lee, I know we're not going to dig into the missions and the history per se, but what was your overall impression of the first two-thirds of this book? I quite liked it. I think... uh as you said, you know, it, in the Western history, we don't really look at the conflicts with the Soviets and um, the Germans that much, although I think most of us in bolt action have a passing knowledge of mm-hmm. different bits. Uh, so it was good, you know. I quite like reading um, the books where you get some maps and it sort of explains who was moving who and you can look at the map and realise, oh, yeah, that's sort of where they started and this is where they were aiming for and, you know, when they talk about the specific battles, you can actually get a better picture of it because they've put the nice maps in. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's that sort of thing that I think when you talk about campaign books and things that Bolt Action produce, uh, or Warlord produce, I should say, then you get a fair uh, background. It provides a lot more flavour, and I think that rolls through into the missions that they've put in mm-hmm. for this book in particular. There's a lot of sort of river-crossing ones, sort of taking villages, and then you've got a lot of... Um, so I suppose city fighting, take mm-hmm. the buildings, defend the the factory kind of stuff. So it sort of links in quite well. And I think it's if you're into the narrative campaign type of gaming, then certainly got a good amount of content. Agreed. Agreed. I, I yeah, that is exactly how I feel. Al, uh, you have similar feelings, I believe. Yeah, look, it's the book. It's a 176-page beast again mm-hmm. from Warlord, um, you know, on par with the D-Day book. And, uh, you know, it's only right that Stalingrad, being how iconic and important it was to the Soviet war uh, and the war in the East, you know, deserves it. But, yeah, like, like Lee was saying, you know, there's lots of scenarios that you can run through the entire Stalingrad campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, they're a nice read, but I... I'm pretty convinced from memory that I have never played a single special scenario from any of the campaign books. Not just because they're they don't interest me to replay, a, you know, a historical game because I, I don't see bolt action as a historical game. For me, it's a historically inspired game. So mm-hmm. they're a nice reads, but they they're catering to a, a another part of the audience that isn't, right. isn't me. 
Right. Now, I would say that I am a bit of a narrative gamer these days. I do enjoy a good story, and I like laying it out and playing it out on the tabletop. Uh, that said, I embarrassingly have to agree with you. I don't think I have played... I, I'm sure I'm, I'm just not remembering right, but I can't remember the last time I played a mission out of one of these books. Oh, no, I did play... I played a couple out of the hung, Hungry book. Um, the battle for Budapest. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I, the missions, I agree with you. They may, they're a great read. Um, and I've gotten actually a lot of great ideas to write my own missions by reading them. But uh, I tend to like missions that are more even-sided um, than maybe the historical battles that are fought. And so maybe I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle. Uh, maybe I, I do like a fair battle, but I, I do like a narrative as well. Um, well, cool. Um, gentlemen, anything you want to add before we dig specifically into the new units? Because there are a bevy. Lee, anything? No, I think I've pretty much covered it. I think it's good they've got little descriptions around some of the decisions that were made by various commanders as well in response to yeah. uh, what the others were doing. So the Germans were planning particular strikes, the Soviets were planning to defend particular areas, and just through happenstance, you know, they either wound up in the same spot, therefore there was a confrontation, or they swept through an area that the enemy wasn't expecting them to. So it just sort of shows, I think, in this sort of war, and when we talk about, you know, um, World War II is a long time ago now, but communications and knowledge and everything was a lot different to what it is now. Now you guys on the field that have satellite phones. Back then you were relying on a wire or a radio mm-hmm. that could be intermittent. And um, reading some of the fluffy bits uh, that are put in there, you know, they talk about how some of the units got cut off and their radios were damaged and they couldn't actually contact. So their commanders further back behind the lines didn't actually know if these pockets of troops were still there or not. And the only way they found out was if they, you know, at night managed to break out and filter back across the line. So it's it was a very, you know, you're talking about fighting in a city that had been bombed and burnt out quite heavily, but was still producing equipment through industry during Mm -hmm. that fight you know they're turning out tanks and things at the same time while they were basically fighting in the city so and there are rules for that which i think is fantastic that they actually allow not only are there selectors uh there's missions and there are units to allow you to play just that because that's one of those cool little historical footnotes that we as bolt-action players have been talking about since the game first started. The T-34 is rolling off the production line and literally into combat, um, you know, without their optics installed and all of that, and without paint jobs. And to see that in this book is cool. It's a great opportunity for those gamers who don't like painting to <laughs> run a themed force of grey, sprue, yeah, pansies, uh, T-34s. Yeah, I don't think the standard paintly was a uh, sprue grey, though, was it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. Just steel. One, it's just grey steel. One thing I'd like to say about the entries for the Soviets, the Germans, the Romanians, all the units, and this is from the gamer's perspective, mm. and you you two can, can comment if I'm wrong, but every single unit, is completely clear as to where it can be used. Yes. It's written in. Agreed. And I love that. It's really, except for the, okay, I do have one tiny nitpick with the first unit, and you guys are probably going to help me out with that. But agreed. It is very clear. Unlike some campaign and theater books, we're like, ooh, can I take this in this list? Can I take that in my army? Is this appropriate? 
They, they, yeah. every unit is very clearly labeled. Warlord and its authors clearly are learning from uh, past feedback from fans. And this book's units are fantastic, uh, fantastically labeled, I should say. So you know where, when, and how you can use them. Uh, and I think that that makes this book, if you are a German player or a Soviet player, uh, a really great buy. Yep, I agree. It's uh, reading through it. There's there's some really unique ideas that people mm. will not be expecting uh, yes. from the units, and there are units that you will that you will take in your normal Soviet German armies. Yeah, um, that'll happen for sure. Brad, I should point out for myself mm-hmm. um, at some point in the background, you might hear my son screaming. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he's quite new to the world, being seven months old. He is. And uh, it's it's Sunday morning, and Sunday morning is, well, just like every other morning, it's absolute chaos. So. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for coming on, Al. Let us know if you need yeah. to run off at some point. No, 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 no. Uh, my wife's here, so um, I've got a little bit of time, so yeah, all's well. All right, all right. Well... Let's get let's dig in because we're 13 minutes in and people are tuning in to hear about these new units. Now, um, the book, if you are following along at home and have the book, if you are listening to this after it comes out on page 119, we start to get new units. Um, and there's a section of the book called Soviet New Units. Now, we do get a ton of new Soviet units, which is interesting given that the Soviet book arguably has the best variety and differentiation of units in the game. Like, if you are playing, you want variety in listing, you want different options to play, Soviets have it in spades. And this book adds even more. Um, Now, I'm going to... Please tell me I'm reading this wrong. Um, Al, you are an experienced Soviet player. I'm a Soviet player. Um, I should know this, and I don't. So my very first unit that we're going to talk about is a headquarters unit, and it's called the Frontnik Commissar. Now, this is a regular commissar unit um, that counts as a headquarters unit for the purposes of a generic reinforced platoon. It's a commissar with two guys, and it costs 40 points. Um, They have the options of pistol, submachine gun, or rifle, as depicted, uh, and, they, uh, and you can take two additional guys at 10 points per model, so all regular. Now, you do get the usual no-step-back rule, which commissars always have, but you also get a new rule called Inspiring Rhetoric, and it says, outside of watching political... Sorry, watching for... Uh, outside from watching for political disloyalty, the commissar also helps train and boost the confidence of new soldiers. So inexperienced squads within six inches of this commissar does not suffer the minus one hit penalty for shooting for being inexperienced. That's pretty big. Um, So one, you have a regular commissar unit. And two, this guy being within six inches of one of your inexperienced squads gets rid of the minus one to hit that so many uh, inexperienced squads suffer from. Now, my question is... Can you take this guy instead of a lieutenant? Uh, it's set, I don't think so, because if you look at the um, generic uh, army list, reinforced platoon list, it says must take one lieutenant. And then this adds on like a normal commissar would to be an, an HQ unit. Am I reading that right? 
Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Cool. This, this guy, he's, um, as it stands from the Soviet book, you can only take an inexperienced commissar. He's 15 points. Correct. And usually you would just take him because he's a he's a cheap order dice, one of the cheapest you can pick up. And that's why you would have him. Whereas this guy, he clocks in at 40 points regular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the it's the negating that minus one to hit penalty for yeah. your inexperienced squads. And I know that the war gamers out there that are listening will be wondering, do you specifically mean squads? And it says squads, so it's it squads does. of infantry. That's right. It's not inexperienced um, artillery pieces or tanks. It's inexperienced squads within six inches. So quite right. It's and- your. Yeah. It's it's your buff. It's your buff for your infantry board. Now, I, I may have misspoken when I read this um, initially. It's you pay forty points, as you say, for the commissar, and then you can take up to two further men. Um, I'm sorry. I think when I said that originally, I think I said it's a commissar and two guys. It's not. It's a commissar for forty points, and then you can take up to two regular guys at ten points each. So just like yep. the regular commissar, like you said, Al, fifteen points gets you the regular inexperienced guy. 40 points gets you this regular guy who's, you know, got better stats and has this inspiring rhetoric rule. Um, Lee, I know that you are a man who likes to think about the, you know, the the effectiveness of rules on the table. Um, Not only does this guy have the commissar not one step back rule, he's also got this um, no minus one to hit. What do you think? Do you like it? Uh, One of my pet hates is mass inexperienced Russian spam <laughs> units. Uh, and the reason is you can shoot at the inexperienced unit. They just go down. They become harder to hit. Yeah, they're three plus to kill, but right. it's not... Uh, it's very hard to actually kill a lot of them. And because they're so cheap, there tends to be a billion of them on the table. Mm-hmm. So people tend to run lots of units of 12 and they just whack a major or something behind them to give them the... Uh, command buff so Mm -hmm. then the pins become pretty irrelevant they just get up and keep moving Uh, by removing the neg one to hit the squads within six i just see this being a little bubble you'll see this guy you'll see the major or you know the first lieutenant or something sitting with them Mm -hmm. and you'll have a bubble of sort of three to four units potentially because you just daisy chain some guys to be within six and you can just run this big slab of guys across the table and it just becomes very hard for the opponent to uh you're not going to pin them out because they just rally and mm-hmm. move you're not going to kill them all because if they're going to cop a mass fire for a round they'll just go down um so it just becomes very difficult to deal with uh for really not too many points and the fact is that if they do shoot at, shoot at you they're still shooting and hitting you at the same rate as you are yeah uh, so yeah it just it just becomes this mass fire blob Having been on the receiving end of a few of them. (laughs) Yeah. And if you do kill enough to force a uh, test, they do have the army special rule that that allows them to re-roll their, was it the Great Patriotic War, Um, that they get to re-roll the test to see if they're destroyed. And then you have not one step back because this guy's standing in the middle as it is, so you get extra stick around. This is definitely the guy in your force if you want that inexperienced court. Yeah, if you're going to run an inexperienced horde backed up by a couple of mortars uh, and, you know, a tank or armored car or something of some type, mm-hmm. then definitely this guy is a must-have, in my view. Just yeah. chuck him in. I wonder if his um, 
six-inch bubble extends from the uh, perimeter of a building if he's occupying it? Well, that's a good question. Come, so normally they don't count out of vehicles. So if your commanders, if your normal lieutenant's in a building, does he get a bubble? No, I don't think he does, does he? No. I think you, in, you can bubble the guys in the building, but not outside. Right. Mm. I can never remember. Um, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Lee. I think you're just being really pessimistic, mate. I think that's... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's a good buff. I don't think it breaks the Soviet Union mm. um, and experience sword at all. And uh, I think it's just a good little, good little benefit. Because I think if anybody is investing so many points in inexperienced troops, uh, you're still killing them just as quick. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think I think given a Soviet player, this guy has probably given them some sort of false sense of confidence like oh my god i don't have a minus one to shoot i'm gonna start moving forward it's like yeah great yeah move your inexperienced soldiers forward towards my guns awesome well done yeah if uh, that is true if um if you are shooting you are not going down and if you are shooting yeah. sure you're gonna get some hits off and you're sure you're not gonna get that minus one which is great i mean that that minus one is not is not uh insignificant but if uh if you are shooting then you are Standing there, proverbially uh, unzipped, and uh, you know everyone can see you, and then that's when people can turn around and punish you back. And they are—it doesn't change anything about the fact that they are still inexperienced. So I think this is a, as you say, I don't think the sky is falling out. If you hate inexperienced Soviet armies like Lee, this is not a guy you want to see across the table. But if you are a Soviet player and you do lean into that blob um, horde mentality, I think this guy is an auto include. Um, and the one thing to say about him as well, Brad, is a mm-hmm. uh, front neck commissar counts as a headquarters unit for the purpose of the generic reinforced platoon selector from the bolt action rulebook. Oh, that's you're right. That's the only place you can take him. Generic only. No theater lists. Yeah. Correct. Well, that also goes for the next army uh, entry which is the late war version of the commissar the politruck who is literally the same thing as what we just talked about for 10 points cheaper however um he loses the not one step back rule because uh soviet commissars um or the political officers became um less of a judge jury and executioner uh, and they became more encouraging of uh, Soviet troops. So they don't execute people anymore, but you do still get that inspiring rhetoric rule. Um, so for 30 points, you get a guy who negates the minus one to hit for inexperienced squads within six inches. Um, I don't think, uh, unless you guys really want to dig into this guy, he's literally the same thing as the last guy, um, except he, in in this one it says you can take him um, in any Soviet platoon post October 1942. On yeah, it. yeah. So it's still it's still got the generic platoon selector, but they're Correct. quite specific in that this guy can now only be taken in theater selectors dated from October 42 onwards. So. Yeah, and which it's, is important uh, because a lot of Soviet army, the horde armies that I tend to see, maybe it's the ones that I tend to see more than others, tend to be earlier war ones. Um, and so that this guy can't be taken with that uh, if you are taking yeah. a uh, theater list. However, if you're just taking a generic platoon, of course you can, as you said. I'm sorry, Al, did I cut you off? 
No, no, with, with these two entries, again, I'm really happy to see that they're quite specific. It's inexperienced squads. Um, you know, can you can imagine having this guy standing behind inexperienced howitzers or anything if they had written it poorly? Oh, right. Definitely. Would have, would, you know, any inexperienced... I bumped into a, a inexperienced dual Soviet tank platoon once upon a time many mm. moons ago. Uh, and if this guy had been able to buff that, that would have been an unholy nightmare. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, Lee, so just just infantry. Yeah, absolutely. Lee, are you happy to uh, say that they're similar, or did you want to add anything about the second guy, the politron? No, no, I think you captured it. Slightly cheaper, loses non non uh, not one step back. Yeah, and then uh, obviously can be then taken in theater lists. So it looks good. I like that slight difference. It's yeah. Good. Yeah, and I think there's something that we've said about some of these theater and campaign books over the years where they add units um, where you get something new. Like the Battle of the Bulge book was good for this, where you would get some new units that did interesting new things on the tabletop that didn't just add Tough Fighter to a squad or add Stubborn to a squad. That actually like gave you interesting new rules but didn't... Uh, I think, how do I say this? Pointed it in a way that didn't break the game, um, but gave you an interesting new way to play, which I think this book does well. There's a lot of units, and we're going to get into more of those. But I think this is a good example of doing something slightly different. Um, and it, it does, I mean, how many times have you gone ac looked across a, at a Soviet army and gone, okay, where's the commissar? And now there's three kinds of commissars that you could see across the tabletop. And I think that that just adds a little bit of variety, which is a good thing, right? Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's giving a little buff to the inexperienced units. It's a bit of flavor. It makes sense. And it comes at a points cost. Right. All right, well, let's get into one that I know people are going to want to talk about. Uh, Lee, I'm going to ask you for your opinion on this one first, uh, and it is the Sniper Detachment. Now, this is an infantry squad. Uh, it is a veteran squad at 65 points, and it's five guys. It's an NCO and four men. Now, notably, they only have rifles. Now, the NCO can have a submachine gun for three points, and up to two men can upgrade their rifle to a sniper rifle. So if you are going to run this with two and uh, sorry, and each sniper for each sniper included, one of the other guys becomes a spotter. So if you are going to run this five man squad with two sniper rifles, it's a veteran squad and it would be uh, 125, 125 points, right? Now, sniper detachment fire. On a fire order, decide whether all models in the unit are going to fire their weapons normally or if the unit will use its sniper rifles. If you decide on the latter course, only the sniper rifle armed models can fire. They must target the same enemy unit and declare the models they are targeting before firing is resolved. This can be the same model or two separate models in a target unit. I think that's great because it means that if you absolutely have to kill that bazooka, boom, two guys shooting at it instead of one, you get that, um, but you're paying for it. Um, I love this squad. I think it's really flavorful and really cool. Lee, what do you think? Yeah, I quite like it. I think, yeah, I don't think you're going to see a lot of them given the points cost. Right. 
because effectively you're taking two snipers in the one thing. I suppose for those that really like snipers, double up. I think mm-hmm. the rule to actually nominate the targets before you shoot is good. I agree. Um, and it'll help keep things nice and clean. Um, yeah, I just think it's going to be expensive. I think people probably won't put it. You just take one sniper as is for 65 points in your normal list and be done with it. Mm-hmm. That'd be my view. But, you know, it gives gives an option for people, I suppose, for those who are keen on it. On the upside, you get more guys, and that gives you more durability. But on the downside, all of a sudden, you're not a small team, so you don't have the minus one to hit them. So there's definitely pros and cons to the durability of the larger unit. Um, And as you say, if you had two uh, veteran infantry uh, sniper teams, it's slightly more expensive, and you'd get two order dice and two shots. And again, you could shoot the same guy twice if you wanted to. Um, And you could put them in different points of the board, uh, I do think, though... But you could choose... You can also choose, I'm going to fire this guy and see it resolve before I nominate this next guy. That's, That's true. That's the advantage of having the two. I think your point there around a bit more durability, I mean, at the end of the day, they're veterans. If you put them in some cover, they're going to be pretty okay. Yeah. But the other side of that is, um, I mean, they lose the small team benefit, but when you take a casualty, you're going to be losing one of your spotters. So then you're at negative one to hit with one of the guys. And then you're either second casualty, you're losing another sniper. On this. Yeah, please. Yep. Sorry, Al, I was about to jump to you. Yeah. What do you hop in? No, no, I, I just... Okay, so you've got five guys. You've spoken about the points cost. You have to buy them the two sniper rifles. Uh, when they fire, it has to be the same unit. That's great. But the sentence... Um, the two sentences. They must target the same enemy unit and declare the models they are targeting before firing is resolved. This can be the same model or two separate models in the target unit. Why is that even there? Because a sniper always does extreme damage and you can pick whatever model gets killed anyway. I think because you're firing two snipers, they're saying you've got to pick your target. Yeah. So rather than you just rolling and going, I've got two hits, I'm going to take out the MMG or the LMG guy and I'll take out the officer, saying the disadvantage is you need to pick who, which guy's targeting which. Right. And okay. both guys could target the LMG guy or both guys could target the sergeant yep. and or they yeah. could split and one could go on each. But you need yeah. to do that before you roll. Yeah. You've still got to hit and you've still got to then cause the wound as well. So the yep. normal single sniper, it's, it's I suppose, slightly I different think, mechanics. Yeah, I think with, with that rule, nah, I'm not, not hugely enamored by this squad. Uh, the only real benefit is that they'll... Um, They'll forward deploy. Yes. Because they're a sniper team, mm-hmm. even though yeah. they're a sniper detachment. Uh, but I think the points just, even if you just divide them the one sniper rifle, it just spirals and you're not, you know, getting your money's worth. You know, that's, mm. that would be what, five veteran guys with one rifle, one sniper rifle at 95 points. Yeah. Or if you had the ability to buy two regular snipers for 100 Two order dice. If you're hold on, if you're buying two, if you're buying two veterans, so let's let's talk apples to apples and oranges to oranges. Two veteran snipers is 130. So you're actually saving five points by doing this, and it only takes up one slot. So if you are playing in a generic platoon and you're forced into a one platoon list, it does give you the option to have two snipers if you desperately want to. 
Um, however, in a, so many events allow two platoons that you could easily, if you do happen to have two platoons, have two snipers for five points more, right? It's tricky. Right. I think I think not being a small team is a factor. Mm. Mm. I'd agree. Yeah. Makes it easy to hit. Yeah. yeah. And I know that from the sort of Scottish UK perspective, the best way to kill a sniper is to roll a um, M3 Stewart right at it. Yeah. <laughs> and fire 23 medium machine gunshots. Oh, yes. <laughs> so much history on the tabletop right there. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. Mm. Well, um, yeah, look, I think this is a cool addition. Um, again, it's it depends on your circumstances. I think this place, I think it's situational, but the squad definitely has a place. I think it's fun. Yeah. Um, I think, though, for, for the unit, for the creation of this unit itself, it was needed for the book mm-hmm. because Stalingrad... Uh, was was the sort of um, herald the arrival of the sniper on the battlefield as mm-hmm. a potent force, and I think this sniper detachment probably does that historical thing and reflects how the Soviets actually um, actually use them. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas you look at some of the sort of depictions of snipers from the Western theater, and they're usually one guy by himself in a bell tower. Yeah, exactly. Doing his thing, whereas over in the east, there were little groups moving around, you know, helping each other and uh, working as as more of a, a bigger team. So yeah, look, it's, it's a good unit, and I think some people will find use for it. But I'd, I'd need to see this one on the battlefield. I I had a Soviet army that was all scouts. Um... And it was entirely, it was very early in first edition, but I had an all-scout army, and I would have loved to have replaced my scout, my sniper team with this team. Um, I think this would have been great for that army. It would have given me one more, as you said, forward-deploying unit, but it wouldn't just be two guys. It would have five guys. And um, just, I think no one expects, sniper to charge but these guys have the ability to use their regular weapons as well um you can have an nco with a submachine gun look it's not the greatest assault unit but um if you are running look i i think the fact that it has a squad it is a squad of five veteran guys i think shouldn't be sniffed at either um and you get one extra guy for that for that five point deduction because um, if you buy two Soviet teams, uh, so, uh, sorry, two sniper teams, it's four guys. Here you get five, um, and you get an NCO who's got a, the option for a submachine gun. Of course, then it's only two points cheaper. Again, I, I would like to try it. Um, I don't think it's the most points-efficient thing in the world, but um, I, I like it, weirdly. Um, Lee, how are your thoughts changed on this? Still... Ah, oh, I'm take it or leave it. I okay. think some people will like it, some people won't. Personally, I'm, I'm just like, yeah, I'd probably put the extra point somewhere else. If I'm taking a veteran force, a single sniper is fine. Like, yeah. why tie up extra men in a unit that, if you choose to do the sniper shot, all the rifle guys are standing around doing nothing. You know, yeah, just um, good point. Think, yeah, it's a bit of a point sink potentially. Well, Al, do you want to talk? People, a- oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm sure people take it. It's fine. Hmm. Al, do you want to read us through where you can take these guys? 
For the sniper attachment, they are generic reinforced platoon slater from the old bolt action rulebook. Mm -hmm. Alternatively, a single sniper detachment can be added to a Soviet infantry platoons from October 1942 onward. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, yep, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say they're, they're keeping it nice and consistent, nice and clear, mm -hmm. uh, which I enjoy greatly. So, because you, you can see that if you could get units like this in the earlier theater selectors, um, they would really imbalance some games. If, if they were done, you know, to a time period, they would really imbalance a game. So, yeah, good to see. Totally. Well, Al, while you have the book open, uh, and I'm not just throwing you under a bus to try and pronounce this before me, I'll say it first. Do you want to read the unit entry for the next unit, which is the Zaichata Squad? The Zaichata Squad? Yes, that um, one. Yeah, these guys. So in a similar vein, it's a sniper team, a regular three guys, 120 points, and they are armed with sniper rifles, all three of them. Ooh. So the special rules in here, Master and Zaichata. I suppose Zaichata, isn't that a term for like a junior trainee sniper or something, isn't it? It's got to be. I read be. that somewhere. I'm inferring that. Yeah. An apprentice. Yeah. An apprentice. So one sniper is the master sniper, and the other two are the Zaichata in training. The master sniper should be differentiated in some way, and that's as an NCO. If the master sniper is killed, the quality of the squad drops to inexperienced as the two Zaichata no longer have veteran guidance to rely upon. Uh, in addition to the normal morale penalty for losing the NCO, of course. However, should both the Zaichata be removed from play and only the master sniper remains, his quality will upgrade to veteran. Yeah. Uh, team spotting. So on a fire order, you will decide who will fire. The master sniper or the Zaichata. Uh, the other acts as a spotter and may not fire. If the Jaichata fire, they must target the same unit and declare the models they are targeting before firing is resolved. Uh, this can be the same model or two separate models in the target unit. So, so three guys, but you, all with sniper rifles. Yeah, but, but you, you can only fire. fire. Yeah, yeah. Two two guys or one guy. Um, and they all count as regular unless um, you lose two, and then you're just down to yeah. the master, at which unless point he upgrades. Yeah. Unless people die. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I would like to point out that if we read the uh, text box before this, Zaichata means a young hare, um, as in a rabbit. So, yeah, there you go. Cool. Now, um, Lee. I love, I love how we learn about different cultures through bolt action. Exactly. So much. So much language and history. Uh, Lee, what do you yeah. think about this squad? I think this is probably the more effective squad than the one we just read. The, then again, it's only three guys, and it's uh, regular, not vet. What do you think? Uh, I like it. I think it's a good little themey unit. I mean, it basically... Um, you're choosing whether to fire, what, two snipers or the one? Correct. So you're firing either. And so what's why would you not fire the two? I don't think you ever would fire the every master. time. I, it, may be, yeah, like, it may be if the master model happens to have line of sight to something that the other two don't. That's the only thing yeah. I could think of. Um, but again, yeah. super situational depending on how the models are deployed. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think, again, you're looking at um, effectively 120 points for two sniper shots, so mm-hmm. not dissimilar to the unit above, uh, but it's much smaller. Still not a small team, though. So yeah, right. you're going to lose a guy, and if you lose a guy, you're down to a single shot. So it seems like a poor trade-off in that sense. Yeah. I, so I, you get shot and somebody, you know, you remove your inexperience or you remove your trainee, all of a sudden, okay, well, I'm going to be shooting with the master or it doesn't matter who I'm shooting with because they're still regular infantry. Mm-hmm. But I'm now a small team, but I'm only doing one shot for 120 points. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Mm. Al, uh, Lee's not sounding terribly uh, convinced. Do you want to try and sell him on these guys, or do you think, uh, like the last ones, they're great for specific theaters and for specific time periods and missions, but maybe not 100% for uh, competitive gaming? Nope. From the gaming perspective, I wouldn't go near these guys at all. 120 points for three men. Yep, okay, you're getting two sniper shots, but as Lee said, you're not a small team. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to soak up fire so fast, and you're only regular, so you're going to exactly your your death, uh, your ability to die is quite reasonable. Uh, mm-hmm. The other issue is if the master sniper gets shot, so if a sniper snipes him, those other two guys drop to inexperienced, so they're minus one, mm-hmm. and they'll be inexperienced to be shot at. So all of a sudden, they're an inexperienced sniper team. Mm-hmm. that you've paid 120 points for and you know that if you've bought them you'll be forward deploying them you're just you're asking for yeah yeah just just hand your order dice over how do you really feel al <laughs> Yeah, I'm just, I'm just yeah, no, no. lashing out there. I know, man. That's uh, that's why you're here. Um, yeah. yeah, I, um, I, I think. think oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I know where they're coming from from the historical perspective that mm-hmm. this, you know, teams like this would have existed just as the the sniper detachment would have, but purely for the gaming perspective, uh, nah, mate, yeah. it's not going to happen. No. <laughs> now uh, I'm going to throw this out to you guys. Um, if if you had to take a sniper detachment or a Zaichata squad, um, which would you take? I'm going to start. Uh, I would always take the sniper detachment. I like that unit to start with. Um, Zaita, like the Zaichata squad sounds fun. I love the idea of the master and the apprentice, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to be taking these guys anytime soon. Lee, what? How about you? Uh, if I had to spend 120 points on a single squad and it had to be one of these two, I'd be taking the detachment. Yeah, there you go. Five veteran bodies compared to th- three regulars. Mm-hmm. Same output. Yeah, exactly, right? Five ability completely at the other end of the scale. It is. Uh, Al, same thing? Yeah, sniper detachment every time. Two yeah. sniper rifles. Uh, yeah, no problem. I, am I gonna... think the Zachata was yeah. 90 points, 80 or 90 points. Yeah. Agreed. Reasonable trade-off, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I suppose, though, um, we can see partly, or we probably could have worked it out ages ago, that a sniper rifle is worth 30 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that, and that maths has already, has always been there in the game. Uh, but I think this is just the first time I've seen it written down. Mm-hmm. So... You know, what is it? That's 30 points, 60. So 
it's 60 points for the three guys in the Jai, uh, Jai yeah, Chatter squad. Yeah, it's 30, 30 points over. Yeah, it is 30 yeah, points so over. It's, yeah, I'm not, not getting it. Yeah. Yeah, 30 points over, I'd even cut it. And I think 80 would be about right because yeah. you're running the, um, the, the risk of becoming inexperienced or literally you take your first casualty down to a single shot. Yeah. Or you keep, yeah, because either way you got to have a spotter. Well, 90 points would be three guys, three sniper rifles firing three times. This is less than that. So I think I think your assessment of 80 points is right on the nose. So, yeah, there you go. Um, like the detachment, these guys can be taken in a reinforced platoon. Generic reinforced platoon is normal. Alternatively, you can take one squad. Uh, you can add it to a Soviet infantry platoon uh, post-October 1942. Um, gentlemen, shall we move on? to our next unit. Lee, do you want to talk about these guys? Uh, yeah, so these are uh, student officer squads. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of, I suppose, junior officers coming into the front. Didn't really have the time to go through massive training, which was reading through the fluff, uh, I suppose the history bit at the start of the book. It's affected both sides in regards mm -hmm. to getting manpower and equipment and everything. Both lines were quite stretched. Uh, the Russians, you know, billion people sitting in the the back trying to get them in and experienced and equipped was obviously their challenge and then the germans problem was trying to get supplies and you know spare parts and fuel and those sort of things to their front lines uh part of the reason they were going to the caucus anyway was to get the oil fields mm. um so you know it, it makes sense that there'd be you know junior officers running around that hadn't really got much experience uh so it's 50 points for five men so one NCO and four men uh, at inexperienced, so mm -hmm. slightly more costed than normal. Uh, you can add up to six additional people with rifles for 10 points each. So we're talking about points which are usually uh, the regular rifleman points, so it's slightly more. Mm -hmm. But they've got some special rules to offset this. Yes, they do. Uh, as normal, NCO can get an SMG. Uh, you can give an LMG for 20 points. Someone becomes a loader. Or you can go anti-tank grenades for two points. So pretty generic in that sense. Equipment mm -hmm. loadout. Uh, but the special rules they've got is green. So you start up an experience, once you take a casualty, rolling to see whether you uh, get better or worse or stay the same. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got fanatics, yep. which is obviously where the extra points are coming in. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then tank hunters, obviously, if you take the grenades. But I think it's uh, not a bad unit for the for the points. I think it's sort of more of what I'd expect to, to see in a Russian list. Green guys, mm -hmm. inexperienced, with just equipment. I don't sort of see the massive difference between this and some of the other more standard green squads that yeah. you see around. I think so I think it's just giving yeah. it an option. I think Fanatics really adds a lot to this. Um, mm. Having run a Volksgrenadier army in version one of this game for a long time, um, having green can be very swingy. It can be great if it works out for you, and often it does. Um, however, it, it also goes horribly wrong sometimes. But having fanatics really helps offset the downside of green about getting thrown extra pins and then running away and then coming back out of it. Um, fanatics helps with that quite a lot. And then also, fanatical troops are just great. Um, sure, this is a little expensive. Ten men... Uh, sorry, 10 points per man in an inexperienced squad. But, yeah, man, I 
I don't know if I would take this squad unless I was trying to build a themed force. Um, but I, it looks fun. It makes me want to think more. Um, Al, how about you? Agree. It's the the options the units get. You can you can find elsewhere in the Soviet main book. But if you were putting together a themed army, uh, and you look back up to the previous page with the the new commissar that can negate the minus one, mm-hmm. you start combining these units together because they can. Where can they come in? Uh, reinforced platoon selector from the bolt action rulebook. Alternatively, student officer squads can be added to platoons from the following selectors in the armies of the Soviet Union: mm-hmm. uh, Barbarossa, Leningrad approaches, and Stalingrad. So, again, quite specific as to where they can come in. Sure. I and they, on an, on first reading, I, I actually passed over them. Didn't think they were quite relevant, but on a reread with Green and Fanatic, they've they've got a place. Yeah, they've got a place in a Soviet army, I would say. Yeah, they actually get a little bit of a... I mean, they get a one-point discount, because green's usually one point, isn't it? Am I making that up? Because um, Fanatics is three points, usually. Um, I, I want to say green isn't free by itself. I want to say it's one point. I could be wrong about that. Uh, I'm looking in the campaign book, The Road to Berlin, on page 68, for those following at home. There is, um, for the same time period, a second-line NKVD unit, which is almost identical to this, um, that's inexperienced for 35 points for five guys with rifles. Now, they have green built in, um, but then you can add Fanatics for three points a model. So it is literally, with this is the same thing with Fanatic built in, um, and they have literally the same options except fewer SMGs. Um, the NKVD squad can have any squad, any guy can have an SMG. So, um, interesting. Um, I, again, I like this squad. I I didn't even think about making the connection to the new commissars, Al. Um, but the second you said that this squad looks very interesting. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. Um, Lee, any, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I like what Al pointed out. Just run a whole army of student officer squads with some commissars. It's literally the, the hierarchy coming through to save the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, now that we've we've talked about the student officers, this next unit, oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you really feel, Al? Excited? Yeah. Oh, mate. Yeah. I'm wired to the moon. I'm can actually hear me smiling i know i can these guys (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna be looking for some officer hats tomorrow in the uh on the old buy swap sell pages oh mate all right Mm -hmm. sorry i'm stealing your thunder where are we going next oh hold on let's so al where can we find these guys what the student officers yes sir uh but in terms of where you can buy them yes sir where you can use them yes reinforced platoon and then very, very specific theater selectors, and it's Barbarossa, Leningrad approaches, and Stalingrad mm. from armies of the Soviet Union, so quite specific time periods. Yeah. It's very interesting that they are so specific about that. Mm. Now, I think uh, it's time to talk about the elephant standing in the corner. Um, if there was a unit in this book that I think is going to get people's, uh, uh, to quote... Uh, 
the great Dave of War. If, if there's going to be some Jimmy's rustled, I think this is the unit to do it. Um, I know. It's right? so good. Yeah, here we go. The Storm Group. Uh, now, this is a squad that is an NCO and three guys. Um, it is 56 points regular or 68 points veteran. Everyone has an SMG. Uh, you can add up to four guys with SMGs for 14 points regular each or 17 points veteran each. So basically, if you're doing the math at home, it's one more point than a usual guy at that experience level with an SMG. You can equip the squad with anti-tank grenades for two points man. Now, why would you pay that extra point? Well, here it is, kids. It's called Armed to the Teeth. Storm groups are specifically equipped for close combat. Uh, sorry, close quarters combat. Aside from submachine guns, they carry extra grenades, knives, and sharpened spades. Storm groups always preceded their attacks with a hail of grenades. Whenever this in unit initiates close combat, sorry, close quarters combat with an enemy unit, the enemy cannot take advantage of the defensive position rule. Thus, and I added the thus, storm groups always attack first in any close quarter fight they initiate. They also can have tank hunters if you added anti-tank grenades. Now, we've talked about what if there was a unit that could get around terrain and defenses since the game began. And ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Um, this is awesome. Um, I know Al is going to have a lot to say about this. So I'm going to start with Lee. Oh, actually, quickly. You can only take three squads. And you can only add three of them. Um, sorry, you can count this as an infantry platoon for a generic reinforced platoon selector. So you can take as many as you want. Alternatively, you can have zero to three storm groups um, in platoons with the following selectors. Um, from the Armies of the Soviet Union book, Stalingrad, Operation Star, Battle of Kursk, Silo Heights, because that needed help, and Berlin. Um, and Zero Four Storm squads can be added to a platoon from the Urban Assault Group selector from Fortress Budapest. So that's cool. Um, so it's adding to the Budapest book. Now, Lee, what do you think about these guys? Why would you not take three units? Why would you not take five units in a reinforced platoon? Well, because you're going to run them in a theater list that's got some other advantages. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Look, I think it's they're not cheap. Seventeen no. points for a veteran, mm -hmm. which gets up there a bit, and it's an eight-man max. Which, to be honest, I run my veteran units at seven or eight anyway, right. so that's all fine. Uh, yeah, I think being able to do combat first. You want to assault that house? Great. Mm -hmm. In you go. First strike. It's really around reducing. You're basically treating all opponents as being in the open. So it's it's really around reducing their numbers before they get to hit back. Mm -hmm. So even though you've got a smaller unit, you're going to cause casualties first. You're veterans, so you're harder to hit back. Mm -hmm. And you hopefully just win the combat and then sweep through, right? So I think exactly. they're going to be pretty much an auto assault unit win. Um which, which is a massive, massive change. It is. It's good. I think it's, yeah, they're, they're pricey, though. I mean, you know, it was 17 times 4, 68. So you look at 136 points for eight men. Mm -hmm. And that's literally just with SMGs. Oh, and so SMGs as well. So tough fighter. Yes. So and, yeah, I was waiting for you to say that. Yep. Yeah. 
you run in, you hit regs. If you get the whole unit in, eight attacks, four hit, roll again, another two, you're going to kill six regular guys on the charge Yeah. before they get to your back. That's going to win you assaults. It is. Now, I have a lot of feelings about this. Uh, you hit a good chunk of them, but I am gonna, I'm going to hand it to Al. Uh, Al, what do you think? And then I'll finish up. I think these guys are unreal. Fantastic. You know, great for the... It's the ultimate assault assault squad. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that for the one thing that they don't have, they still have to treat rough ground as rough ground. Right. Mm-hmm. Really important, because if they could ignore rough ground, then these people would just be far, far, far too good. Agreed. Uh, curious, though, or sorry, not curious, interesting to hear Lee talk about them and only talk about them uh, and their veteran guys. Mm-hmm. I would be taking these guys as regular. Yeah. Just not just to get more of them, but on that arrogant assumption that uh, there's not going to be that many people strike to strike back. Yeah. So you're you're not going to be taking as many dice attacks back. So you don't need that protection. Yeah. Uh, you know, because if you're if you're going in with all all eight attacks, you're striking first, and you're you're attacking regulars. You know, I'm not going to question Lee's Lee's maths because that'd be crazy. But <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, if if six guys die from a squad of ten, ten regulars, and they're going to roll four dice back at you, uh, yeah, you know you'll lose two guys. I think that's acceptable losses because in the end, you're only going to be really doing one major charge with each of your three storm units. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then beyond that, they've all got submachine guns. So they're just, if you've assaulted the building, cleared it out, you'll occupy that building. And then the next thing you'll do is step out, fire some submachine guns or just be there and oh yeah they're really good and i I think they're points extremely well if if i may there's a couple of things i want to touch on there um one my first thought when i saw this was wow that's good is this going to be a unit like a a army breaker like this will, will this break the game is my first thought um no i don't think it is um and i like the idea of lee's vets i know I personally run regs way more than I run veteran forces. Um, I almost never run veteran forces, but I'd almost consider running these guys as vets only because I'm assuming you're not going to run a ton of units of these guys um, because they only have SMGs. Now, you can put them in trucks and zip around, but the se- I mean, I'm basically going to treat these guys, if my opponent has them, like my wife treats spiders in the house which is scream kill it with fire and you know hit it with my shoe as hard as i can until it's dead so i'm assuming that these guys are going to walk around with a giant target on their head i have one squad of uh, big sword guys in my chinese army and my opponents tend to want to shoot them off the board before i get a chance to do anything with them and the fact that they're veterans really helps um, I, I kind of see these guys as the same way. Now, arguably, you could take a whole army of these guys. But if you do, you're really going to be limited on range. Um, and I'm sure we can talk all day about the soft skin meta of people driving around in trucks with LMGs and then hopping out and shooting with submachine guns. Sure, that list um, has done very well, and I've been one of the people running it. So that said... Um, 
you're still you still need to have some chin to take a hit um between when you jump out of that truck and when you or when you come around that corner um, and before you can assault. And the fact that they don't, as Al pointed out, have the ability to circumnavigate or ignore cover um, any better than anyone else, I think means that you, you're not going to have an entire army of these guys. Otherwise, you're just going to get shot to pieces before you get close. With I mean, sure, some units will get there, but not everyone will. It's the whole corn berserker thing. Like Some units are going to make a mess of what they hit, but they still have to walk through a wall of fire to get there, if that makes sense. Am I, am I making sense there? Um, Al, what do you think? Yeah, as you said, they still have to get to the place where they need to attack, but mm-hmm. I think a, a good player will, um, will be able to deliver them safely. And what you indicated there, I'll sort of play on what I said about they're not mm. able to ignore terrain, it's the options that they don't have that makes it right. They don't have access to um, any sort of anti-tank, other, beyond anti-tank grenades, but no right. real anti-tank like Panzerfausts or mm, good point. anything anything like that. Uh, they are just really, you know, angry guys with submachine guns. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I think they're, they're good enough as they are. Um, yeah, agreed. But yeah, I think when when we're looking through this book as a whole. You know, you you can't help but feel, I don't know, like envy or jealousy of a Soviet player. We're just adding more tools to their toolbox. Right. It's like, come on, how much, how much more do these guys need to get to, you know, prove how good they are? Mm-hmm. I could not agree more with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts, Lee? Before we move on to tanks. Yeah. No, I think Els captured it pretty well. I think my only comment, regular versus veteran as well, would be you want them to be getting up into combat. If you've got a couple of pins, the extra leadership points, probably the ticker to get him in. Hmm. That's probably where I sort of come from on that sense. Totally. But, um, yeah, not having rifles, it's close range, right? You're going to have to run up. Mm-hmm. People aren't going to move into houses right in front of you. No. Or cover. Exactly. And, people and, and will... at the end of the day... Yeah. If you if you don't get close enough to charge, just move up and spray them with SMGs. Mm-hmm. Still a lot of firepower being put out. That's right. And you, yeah, hmm. I would say you could assault yeah. them, but then they get defensive and you don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, brain fart on that one. Um, all right. Well, guys, let's let's move on to a unit we talked about earlier. Um, Al, do you want to read us uh, the entry about the Tractor Factory T? 34. Yep, I certainly do. So, fresh off the production line, uh, <laughs> I love mm-hmm. it. Tractor Factory T34. It's 140 points and is inexperienced. Who'd have thought? Yeah. Uh, it's got turret mounted medium anti tank gun, coax medium machine gun, and hull medium machine gun. It's a 9 plus tank, as all T34s are. Options. Tractor Factory T-34s must select one of the following defects, which applies for the entire game. And those defects are no optics, hastily repaired, or it has a factory worker crew. Which you would never that's, take. Yes. That's <laughs> so cool. Yeah. So those those three options, uh, no optics. So 
basically they sent out these T-34s into battle uh, without the optics being installed. Crews had to manually sight the guns, etc., etc., looking down the barrel on top of the tank. So the range of the main gun is reduced to 36 instead of the normal 60. Mm-hmm. Quick question on that. Uh, would that mean the half range is and the long range is reduced along with it? I would believe so, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So your long yep. range is 36, your short's going to be 18. Yep. Yep. Cool. Uh, hastily repaired. So this is when they dragged out some of the knocked out T-34s back to the factory. Bish uh, bash bosh. Whenever this vehicle would suffer superficial damage, it instead suffers full effect. So glancing hits would count as full, full effect. Oof. And your factory worker crew... Uh, with a shortage of tank crews available, some factory workers climbed in and hit the gas themselves without proper training. However, completing even simple maneuvers could be a challenge. This unit must pass an order check to perform any action, even if it has no pins. So it gains the one-man turret rule. Which, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, Having to take a test every time you take any action, pins or not, is a game-breaker for me. Yep. Now, it should be pointed out that this is 140 points, as you said. If you are to take a regular inexperienced, when I say regular, I mean a normal inexperienced T-34 from the Soviet book, the exact same tank, without that, those options... um, it's 156 points inexperienced. So for a 16-point discount, you get um, a, some, some pretty negative rules. Um, I don't know if I'd ever take one of these if it wasn't part of a mission. Um, that said, I'm glad it's there. I think it's awesome, and I think it'd be so good for themed games. Um, Lee, what do you think about these guys? Uh, I would take them in the relevant theatre selector, because you can take two. Mm-hmm. And I think two of them at 140 as opposed to two at 156 yes. is a little bit more palatable. Agreed. And I don't think the negatives are that bad. Oh, the worker crew's bad. Yes. I wouldn't take that, particularly with inexperienced. Um, but certainly, hastily repaired's not too bad. If you're going to take a damage roll against an armor 9 anyway... It's probably going to go through. It's. I, I don't think you take that many hits anyway. So mm-hmm. probably not too bad about that one. And the no optics going down from 60 to 36. It's That's you're rough. just going to have to roll up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it's putting your main gun, yeah, MMGs at the same range. So if you're going to roll up to shoot at infantry anyway, then... What's the main gun difference, really? That's it's true. just that. Am I going to be within 30 for a short range? Now I'm going to be with 18. Like, it's just a negative one. It's probably not too broken, to be honest. No, yeah, it definitely isn't broken. I just Actually, yeah, that's a good point. If you're going to run it as, hmm, I'll have to think about that more, I think. But you definitely yeah. got me thinking now. Um, Al, do you agree? What do you think? Yeah, it's like, it's... One of those units that had to be in the book to make it Stalingrad. Right. But, you know, if you had to pick an option, I'd, I'd go for hastily repaired if I had to take this tank. Uh, like Lee said, if, if you're going to be taking damage on Armour 9, something pretty good's hit you. Because mm-hmm. uh, taking that reduced range gun 
you know, you're hitting on a three normally, inexperienced, now you're hitting on a four. Uh, anything beyond 18 is long range, hitting on a five. If you've moved your tank, hitting on a six. six. If it's in cover, hitting on a seven. If it's a small team, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's so the map... commissar behind it. Yeah. 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 The commissar doesn't do anything, though, remember? Exactly. Oh, Other my than God. Yell, yell inspiration. Yeah. So I think there's the there's the spiral of dice to actually hit anything with this tank. But if you were going for the Stalingrad super-themed army, mm-hmm. that's the tank, the only tank you get to date, and it has to be modelled <laughs> appropriately. True. Steel. True, true. Well, but Jen... you, will not see, you, will, you will not see it from my hobby desk. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> Mainly because you like painting stuff, and uh, Lee was talking about just running plastic ones. Um, well, yeah. gentlemen, well, we, we are. I've already, I've already got five. I've already got five T thirty fours. Jesus, all painted. You should try it. You should try it. It's yeah. a fun game. It would beat the five Stuarts. It would. It would. Ugh. That. Ugh. Speaking of. Ugh. Well, guys, we are an hour and ten minutes in, and we have not gotten past soviets so i think it's time for us to take a hard right turn into uh the germans the germans and talk about uh what the germans get in this book now i would argue that um you also get some great themed units here i think the soviets may have slightly better units um but i think there's some fun german stuff in here so let's let's talk about that um the first is a an alarm unit um, and so in critical situations, German officers called for the formation of alarm units out of any available forces. So these alarm units are created uh, from rear service support personnel, um, such as Luftwaffe, ground crews, cooks, artillerymen, headquarters staff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's so what you're going to get out of them is a mixed bag. Um, now they are an inexperienced squad for 48 points. You get six an NCO and five men. So six guys inexperienced. You can add up to four more guys, uh, at eight points per dude. So they're one point more than usual. Um, or you can give the entire squad anti-tank grenades for two points more. Um, now they have a special rule. So there are no other options. That's it. Um, And they do have a special rule called ad hoc equipment. Now, alarm squads often had to scrounge up any weapons they could beyond their trusty rifles. Beyond deployment, sorry, uh, before a deployment begins, roll a D6 for each alarm squad and consult the chart to see what weaponry they actually have. On a 1 to 3, nothing. They remain exactly as they are with rifles. On a 4, they get submachine guns. Remove three riflemen from the squad and replace them with two models armed with submachine guns. Um, And on a five or six, you get a light machine gun, remove three riflemen and replace it with one model armed with an LMG. Another becomes a loader. So basically, this is like um, the lottery, except you don't really win anything because if you do the math, you start to lose guys, and it kind of adds up to the points that you're getting. Um, I think this is a, a fun unit for, for, mission, for themed missions and uh, scenarios. I don't know if mainly because I like to have what I have modeled properly on the tabletop. I like to play WYSIWYG. 
I don't know if I'd ever run these guys because um, I don't know if I'd have enough rifles or SMGs or LMGs to properly model it up. And besides, meh. Um, Al, what do you think? Uh, good fun unit. They can be taken in a lot of different areas beyond mm. the generic reinforced platoon. True. The thing I the thing I see them focusing more on is they can be added to the extended last levy selector from the Road to Berlin campaign book. Mm, I think that's where their real home is for any German player. Why is that? Um, just gives them something extra to to choose from, uh, which is I'm going to say kind of point sufficient. You know. And then there's just that random ability to roll the dice and maybe something cool will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you get some free submachine guns or a free light machine gun. But that's the only place I can really see it yeah. being any sort of fun. But um, with these guys, but, you don't get free anything, though, because you if you get submachine guns, you remove three riflemen and replace them with two SMG guys. So you're actually losing guys to get upgraded weapons. So you're kind of balancing the points so there's no free anything which is the thing that well if well no if you have if you roll the dice was it in the result of four you take three rifles away and you are only replacing with two models with submachine guns yeah mm. so you lose 21 right. points and you gain uh 21 points 20 points so you actually lose yeah. points <laughs> All right, this this unit's dumb. Let's move on. You lose you lose twenty four <laughs> points and you get back twenty two points. So you lose oh, two yeah, points on the eight. subs. You're right. You're right. And a light machine gun, you're losing four points. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised so, that but, you were saying that, Al. Yeah. I was like, eh, it's fun. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. You think about it. Forty eight points, and you get a light machine. You know, if you get the light machine gun, it suddenly becomes a three man LMG unit. But it's inexperienced. Yeah, initially. <laughs> When I initially minutes, read sorry. it overnight, I thought it was, you know, if you had eight guys, you rolled the dice, yeah. three of them, three of them handed their rifles in, and they got handed three submachine guns yeah. back. But actually, you actually lose a model. Nah, this is dumb. <laughs> the, the real, the real alarm about this unit is how stupid it is. All right, Lee, do you agree, or do you want to talk about these guys anymore? Or are you happy to move on? Uh, look, I think if you're going to run it as it's not a competitive unit, like as we've just pointed out, the maths don't add up. Mm-hmm. If it was straight up replacements, you'd take the you'd take the punk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think as Elle said, you know, but in the last levy, you know, it could be something a bit random. If you want to run a really themed last levy list, it, it fits that, I think, quite well. Yeah. It's, hey, you're expecting five guys to turn up today. Eh, Jim hasn't shown up. But, you know, Harry's turned up with an SNLMG, so that's where you're You definitely don't know what you're going to get when you ring that alarm bell, I think, is the big thing there. And I think think that's – it's it's pretty cool. Like, if you were playing some games or whatever, or you just – you really want to go heavy on the last levy theme, I think it fits in good. Mm -hmm. Isn't it funny, though, when the alarm bell rings and you roll the dice, you actually want the number one, two, or three so that nothing changes? Yeah. Yeah. But even then, it's – 
yeah, just inexperienced guys turning up. And you're paying yeah. one more point for it. No. All right. I'm 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 calling the alarm on these guys and we're moving on. <laughs> uh Panzer I'm not even gonna tell you where you can use those guys because we're not going to. Panzer Grenadier Squad hashtag Stalingrad. Um now these guys have appeared in other places, I believe, with this these combination of rules. But basically, um, with this, you get to take regular or veteran squads. Uh, it's an NCO and four guys, and you can add up to five more. So you can have up to 10 guys. Now, they are 11 points per model regular or 14 points for veteran. So you're paying one more point than usual. Um, and with that, you get a rule called motorized infantry, which means your squad can re-roll any failed order that is required to mount or dismount a transport vehicle. Now, you can give the NCO and up to three guys SMGs, and you can equip the entire squad with anti-tank grenades for two points each, blah, blah, blah. But you can give up to two guys LMGs, um, and for each LMG, uh, another dude becomes a loader. I love this squad. If I still owned my DAC army, um, this would be the perfect squad for my DAC army because I was constantly getting stuck with one pin and failing a check to get out or into a transport. And the number of times I failed by one was incredibly frustrating. And this rule is literally my wheelhouse. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, I understand it's not for everyone. I think it definitely goes with a build, but it's cool. Um, Lee, what do you think? Yeah, I like it. I think it's just a standard vet kind of thing if you're going to run mechanized makes sense but mm -hmm. yeah nothing crazy yeah exactly but. it's just normal like i look at this and i just go german unit mm -hmm. like it's nothing weird no but that plus one or the sorry the reroll failed order is huge huge yeah to mount uh, or dismount yeah, yeah. Oof. if you're running a mechanized I'll, list um, yep yeah, i'll just hop I'm, in there i'm gonna be the flying ointment for this one uh Everything about this unit is good in terms of its abilities, the motorized infantry, but it's poorly written because if you flick to, for those listening at home, campaign Fortress Budapest, page 108, mm -hmm. there is exactly the same Panzer Grenadier squad mm -hmm. with exactly the same motorized infantry that it can be taken in any generic German platoon, but it's five guys, 50 points regular, 65 points veteran. Ooh. They've got access to three submachine guns as normal. They can have two light machine guns if they really want, but they can have Panzerfausts. So they're it's, cheaper they're, and they can take Panzerfausts. So I think we found cheaper, the... Yeah. They're cheaper, they've got more options, and they've got the same special rule. And they're just as legal in a generic platoon. There you go. And this is one of those downfalls of of rules writing mm -hmm. that whoever's, whoever's entered this, this unit They've not read back to seen what's gone before. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the compliment still stands that they've been quite clear where this Stalingrad Panzer Grenadier squad can be taken. Absolutely. Uh, but if you're just using a generic platoon, I will pick up Fortress Budapest and use them. Yep. I think you're right. Uh, well, on that note, let's move on to a Jaeger squads. Uh, yes, Al, on that sour, on that sour note. On that sour note, I'm gonna <laughs> get, for for, uh, for raining on our parade. You get to read the the Jaeger Jaeger squad. Uh, tell us yeah, about okay. it. Well, they're they're not doing Jaeger bombs. I can tell you that. <laughs> exactly. That's a shame. 
Um, there's quite a bit of text about them they're, in terms of their background. Yeah. For the for the readers, but effectively what you've got is um, five guys, fifty points regular. Mm-hmm. That is their only format they can come in as regular. Mm-hmm. You can add five guys with rifles for 10 points nco and another guy can get submachine guns you can buy a light machine gun uh the key option here is this squad may have the mountaineer special rule for plus one point mm-hmm. per model uh you can give them any tank grenades if you want to waste your time <laughs> and the special rule mountaineers if taken this unit treats rough ground as open terrain Woo. so yeah, for sure they've got lots of nice fluffy writing, but when it boils down to it, that's that's the option. Yeah. Uh, where can you take these guys? Genetic reinforced platoon, mm-hmm. and you can add a Jaeger squad, Operation Blue, Stalingrad, anti-partisan security patrol, Defense of Italy, Operation Citadel, Defense of the East, and oh, you can also take them in Extended Last Levy. Mm-hmm. Cool. From the Road to Berlin book. Right. Yep. Um, if you're playing city fights, uh, being able to treat rough ground rough ground as open is unbelievably good. I've run it once and it was astonishing. Um, that said, um, I think it's kind of balanced by the limiting of the weapons that are within the squad. So um, I think a little of this, a little of that. I know we've seen um squads like this in other places before i think this lines up with those squads so i don't think this is the sour grapes that the last unit was um lee what do you think yeah i like it i like it uh they're just regulars so it's not vets Mm -hmm. they can move through the rough ground so they can move through cover so they get the benefit so being vets probably less of an issue not being Mm -hmm. vets uh my lmg couple smgs yeah I think it's fine. Nice. It's certainly worth taking. Yeah, definitely. I ooh, I'm tempted to run a, a couple of these in an army and just walk through terrain. And I mean, it, it's by the same token, I've I have taken some um, multi air in my uh, German ta- uh, lists so that they're half track trucks, so they're slower, but they ignore terrain. And the number of times I've come in using a multi air and just driven over terrain and had people say, "Can't do that. That's truck." And you go, "Nope." It's a half-track truck. I can do whatever the hell I want and drive over the top. It makes a big difference. Um, and so having infantry that do that, too, I think is uh, pretty cool. Al, uh, what do you think? Yep, good guys. Nothing bad to say about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, though, oh, I think if I'm looking towards the maybe the future of the game, taking is, is one point too cheap for Mountaineers? It's good. It's good. It's what they've cost previously, I believe. So I think that actually balances. Yeah, okay. I'd have to double check, but um, yeah, I'm I'm actually struggling to remember which book it was in. So yeah, um, I can't I can't recall either. But my my concern there is if we see that option appear on another unit mm-hmm. that has got better options open to it. Anyway, for the future. Uh, for those wondering, that rule is in Battle of the Bulge. I'm just not sure where. <laughs> Which unit? Uh, anyway, um, Lee, do you want to read the Croatian Legion squad? Can do. So it's 50 points for a regular squad, one NCO, five men, uh, equipped with rifles, so pretty normal. Uh, you can add up to five additional 
guys with rifles for 10 points each for regulars. Mm -hmm. uh, give your NCO an SMG. You can have an LMG at 20 points. And you could equip the entire squad with anti-tank grenades for two points per man. That sounds like a complete and utter bog normal regular rifle unit. So far. However, special rules. Croatian pride. Croatian units use all German army special rules, except that instead of the initiative training army special rule, all Croatian legion units have Croatian pride. When this unit passes any U-man snap to action order, they remove two pins instead of one. Yeah. I quite like that. Um, I think, look, it's not a game-breaking rule. Um, however, it is one, by adding that one unit, you can turn a German army into a Croat unit army. Um, if you take a bunch of those, it, it allows you, I think, it's, I think it opens the door for really cool themed armies. And I wish then, and I hope that we see more units like this in the future that really do open up um, opportunities for gaming. Um, Lee, what do you think? Uh, I think I would, if I was running a German force, I would just take a German regular rifle unit. Yeah. Um, you're having to remember that they've got a slightly different special rule to apply. Remember when to use it. And it's really quite specific in regards to they have to be getting a snap to action order and they've got to pass it, and they've got to have two pins to get an advantage, right? So mm -hmm. it's kind of meh. Like, yeah. it's fluffy. Effectively, you can paint them slightly differently. Well, it's also, German. I mean, you're playing with Germans, so they get one extra snap to action a turn. And yeah, if yeah. you are, I mean, you're not paying anything for this rule. You're losing one rule and gaining another, and I think that's just an interesting way to sort of switch up national rules without yeah. putting in a whole new army list. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Provides a little bit of variance, sure. But I think for most people gaming, the more little intricate rules you have, the less likely you to, to remember, mm -hmm. oh, hang on, this unit's got this slight little variation. If in a scenario where I'm snapping them two and they happen to have more than one pin, I can actually remove two if I pass the order check. Right. So it's it's just so situational and just so specific. I just think it's... Yes, it's fluffy and themey and, and whatever, but I just think on the game table, mm -hmm. it's one of those things that'll just get forgotten anyway. Yeah, agreed. Um, Al, were you able to pop back? Uh, yep, just pop back. Um, we are I don't talking... have any real opinion. Okay. No real opinion on the Croatians, to cool. be honest. I just skip, skip past them. What I do have to say, though, is pass my apologies on to both of you. I am going to have to depart your fair podcast tonight Oof. or this morning, as it is for me. Well, uh, give, um, give our best to your lovely family, and thank you for swinging by. I will by do. And, um, I will do. But yeah. I do have a final final word, because I know you guys are going to keep on talking. Yes, sir. And you'll eventually get to the theatre selectors. Yes, sir. And as a, as a sort of uh, appetite uh, teaser for your, your audience, um, Soviet Union, Tractor Factory, Reinforced Platoon. Yes. That's where I'm at. That <laughs> looks so good. And mm -hmm. that forward thinking that the theater selectors for the Soviets, the special rules um, for the theater selectors revolving around changing up that free inexperienced rifle squad, mm -hmm. it's, it's a good idea. It, it really does change a Soviet army. So mm. I'm really happy to see that. But yeah, yeah. tractor factory, reinforced platoon. We will get there. That's good times. <laughs> yes, and exactly. I think 
I think, for the Germans uh, into hell as their reinforced platoon that I picked. We will get there. We will talk about okay. both of All those. Right. Just there you go. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Al. And uh, yeah, All give right. our best to your fam, and we'll talk soon. Cheers, guys. All right, man. Good night. Lee, that leaves you and me to talk about <laughs> these three fantastic transport vehicles for the Germans. The boots. Yes. And by that, I mean the inflatable rubber rafts that um, are all about 20 points regular and don't have weapons and are slow and are easy to shoot. And I think we'll move on. Are you happy to move on? Because if people really yeah, want to read I'm, them, they're there. I'm just really surprised there's three options. Right? I mean... They're all carrying three. They're all carrying 10 to 12 men. Mm-hmm. Their damage values are all pretty much the same. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's just weird that they've gone to the effort of... That much detail. Make different ones. Yeah. They're I all slow the and can't run. The, yeah. Mm. Yeah. The bottom one can take MMGs and light AT guns. Right? Yeah. So I suppose that's... But yeah, it just seems like just tiny little differences in boots. It makes me, yeah, exactly. It makes me wonder if Warlord's going to put out models for these, and that's why there's three of them. Um, mm. You know, I, I get the feeling that's why that's there. That that stinks of Warlord saying this is happening. Um, well, that, that brings Germans to a close. Uh, let's quickly jump to the Romanian new units, of which there is one, which is the R1 Tank Et. Um, now the R1 tank at is 60 points inexperienced, 75 points regular. Um, and you can take this in a, uh, Romanian list. Um, actually, weirdly, it doesn't say where you can take it after all of the other ones are so specific. Uh, I'm assuming just in a regular Romanian army. Um, it's an armored car. It has a forward-facing, sorry, turret-mounted MMG and a forward-facing hull-mounted MMG. Um, you can upgrade the medium machine gun to a heavy machine gun for 10 points. Um, it's got recce, uh, but it also has an overworked driver. The R1 only has a two-man crew, the commander who directs the tank and fires the turret machine gun, while the driver is responsible for firing the hull machine gun as well as driving. The R1 cannot fire the hull-mounted machine gun if it has made a run or advance move this turn. The driver is too busy steering um, to fire the machine gun, which is better than the one-man turret rule. Yeah. Um, but, you know, meh. Yeah, I, I've never run an armored car. So is 75 points for a twin MMG armored car, is that normal? Is that well, they're, they're, reasonable? Well, they're... The Japanese have um, some similar armored cars. Um, the one that typically gets discussed, um, at least the one with all the, the excitement that when it first came out, was the, um, well, the, the Type 87's two medium machine guns, um, and it's 70 points, for, but it's two turret-mounted MMGs. So this is slightly worse. Um, and the Type 92, of course, is the one that everyone talks about, which is the 90 points regular, which is a turret-mounted HMG and a hull-mounted MMG. Of course, those are backwards in reality. Um, so you are paying five points less for this um, If you upgrade the that, HMG. If you put the HMG on it. 
um, but mm. you don't get to fire the the whole weapon if you are on the move. So fancy, yeah. Yeah, don't get me wrong. The Type ninety two is an awesome tankette, and when I've run mine, um, it doesn't always move. So you know, I think that's fine. Um, I think it's fun. Uh, I, I'd probably run it as two medium machine guns. Uh, and run it cheaper, but I don't have a Romanian army, so I'm not running it to start yeah. with. But yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, uh, it's fine. Yeah. Nothing crazy. Now, we do get a couple of new rules um, that uh, go in. Um, there are three new rules in particular. One is messengers, which is a new option for lieutenants, captains, and majors. Um, Basically, a lieutenant can upgrade one of their accompanying people to be a messenger for 10 points, a kept, or a major can upgrade one of their accompanying soldiers for 20 points each. Um, and, oh, they can upgrade up to two of their accompanying soldiers, but the lieutenants can upgrade one, captain and majors can upgrade two. I missed that before. Um, and relay orders. If an officer is accompanied by a messenger and the order and the unit is ordered to fire the unit may use relay orders ability instead of firing their weapons. If it does so, the range of the officer's morale bonus and the U-men snap to action doubles. So if it, instead of having, so it becomes 12 inches for a first lieutenant um, and second lieutenant and 24 inches for captains and majors. So that's pretty cool. Uh, messengers are conspicuous. Any uh, enemy... Uh, unit with ambush orders can draw a line of sight to the unit may um, choose to flip their die to fire and resolve a shooting attack immediately against the unit as if it had moved um, so that is uh, so it's you can shoot it more often uh, if you are if the enemy has ambush and it's one use running messages during a firefight is dangerous and exhausting each time an officer uses his relay uh, orders ability replace one of the messenger models in the unit with a standard infantryman the messenger is spent and the ability cannot be used again so basically you get this ability to double snap to action for an officer if it's if you're running lieutenant once a game for 10 points but then you get your guy back at the end um, if you are running a list that is dependent on that, um, and you have a lot of things moving around, I, and you have 10 points to spare, I think this is a great addition to an army. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun and cool. Uh, what do you think, Lee? Yeah, I think for Germans, it's probably worth it because they've got the more snap two dice. Right. Um, and this seems to be, this isn't German dependent, is it? It's anybody can do mm -hmm. this as a, an ability, so it's global. That's right. Yeah. So even Americans can do this. Anyone can do yeah. it. Yeah. I think it's just sort of situational. It depends how often you use snap to action. I generally find with lieutenants, it's um, not worth it. Like, why not just activate the unit as normal? Exactly. And then you're not drawing an extra dice out. So it's usually my theory on snap twos. I don't mm -hmm. use them that often. Usually it's if I want to get my HQ to get a few shots off and then another secondary unit to mm -hmm. assault something. So you put a pin on them and then charge in. Exactly. It's the normal... Normal plan. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, it's interesting global, global rule. It is. In. Well, here's another one. Uh, another global add is the rule demolition charges, um, which can be added for I, for pi pioneer and assault engineer squads. So that makes me think that you can actually only ever take these in Germans and Soviets. 
Because they're the only ones that have pioneers and assault engineers. Because Americans have uh, something else. They don't have assault they engineers. They've got rangers. They don't have pioneers. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, would you like to read what demolition or, uh, demolition charges do while I catch my breath? Yeah, well, effectively, you can equip one man with a demolition charge in addition to his other weapons for five points. So it's kind of same as equipping a Panzer house, but mm. you give him a demo charge. Uh, now, the rules themselves are actually a little bit more complex. So yeah, once per game, <laughs> Yeah, it is a wall. Uh, once per game, an engineer unit may use a down order to place a demolition charge token at any point adjacent to the man equipped with a demolition charge. If the engineer unit is inside a building, the demolition charge may be placed on the floor directly below the engineer unit. The following turn, the unit must be issued either a down order or a run order. If a mm. run order is given, the unit must end its move out of range of the explosion, whereupon the charge immediately explodes as HE4 inches mm -hmm. centered on the token. If a down order is issued, the unit can defuse the charge and take the token back for future use. Or simply reposition the token at any point adjacent to the man equipped with the demolition charge as above. So I'm trying to work out how you use this beyond you're in a multi-level building and you put the demo charge mm -hmm. underneath you and set it off to take out the unit below uh, you. Yeah. Uh, dropping a building on someone. I mean, four inch HE is pretty good against buildings. So yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, but also, um, having used cute, um, possible big HE templates with my partisans, having a unit that is on an objective, you know, if somebody comes up to try and grab it from you and you you're going down with these guys, um, and then they kind of come up on you and you run away and then it explodes for four inches. Like that could be a thing. I think this is kind of situational, but I think it's a cool toolbox to add to your squad for five points, right? Yeah, I think for five points, it's something to play around with. Mm -hmm. I just think for your opponent, it's easy to avoid. Like you have to move up, place it with a down order. So there's mm -hmm. an order for your turn. And the next turn, you either down order and pick it up again or you run away. It's it's one or the other. You either have mm -hmm. to go down and remove it, or you've got to run. Yeah. So and if you run, your opponent's like, well, I'll just not move within two inches of the point. Right. Or you. So can, it's not yeah. something. It's 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 avoidable. It will. It can be used for control. Yeah. But. yeah I, I would use it for control. And if you stay down, you can reposition it along. Oh, it's only the man equipped with the devil yeah. in charge. So, but mm, yeah, I see what you're saying. He went down the previous turn and placed it, so he's still going to be in the same spot. Yeah, I mean, you put on. So the unless other you've side been him, assaulted, but, mm, yeah, unless you've been assaulted and you've done a consolidation move, and then you choose to go down again and reposition it to a different spot. I don't. Yeah, it just seems like a wall of text of rules. Something that perhaps should just be a six-inch range. Mm -hmm. Toss it. Yeah. Put down a HE blast template. Yeah. I do yeah. like the idea, and I know it's not gamey, but looking at this, it makes me want to take one just so I can run up behind an immobilized tank and drop it. I mean, I know it's super not a good idea. I know it's dumb. I just want to do it. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, that's a working thing. Yeah. I mean, it's board control. I run up, 
put it on the road. Mm-hmm. That tank now, it's not going to move up here because it'll be in the range. It's going to have to sit back or whatever. Correct. But yeah, you're using up two water dice to do it as well mm-hmm. for the unit. So the unit's not doing anything except going down to place it and then running away. And Assault Engineer and Pioneer Squads typically have flamethrowers, so you're actually not mm. using a flamethrower to use this. Correct. Eh. Yeah. yeah, somebody shoots your, your flamethrower out, it gives them something else yeah. to do. I, I don't know. Anyway. It should just be a six-inch range, yeah. HE. Roll yeah. it. Something you like know. that. Yeah, I I like that it's got the wall of text. I, I don't know if I'm ever going to use it. Eh. We did say there was a third global rule, uh, and we are running a little long on time. Um, it, we're not going to go into the into depths on this one. It is an option for German squads. It has been in books before. It's the rifle grenade adapter for 20 points. Um, up to two men can replace the rifles with rifles with grenade adapters, and that's 20 points each. Um, and it gives you an option for your weapon that gives you a range of 6 to 18, one shot, uh, one inch HE in direct fire. Um, yeah. And they can fire smoke. So, yeah. Um, I think we've talked about that on previous podcasts. So, um, not the excited, most excited about that. Um, but yeah, seems a little expensive for what it does. But uh, I do like the idea of um, throwing out a lot of little smoke. Lee? So, do you, oh, it's indirect. So, you got to roll your six to hit. Mm hmm. Like, so it's just basically light mortars in the yeah. squad. Exactly. With okay. shorter range? Light mortars have a longer range than 18. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're 24. 24, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I can't remember. I used them once and never went back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> Me too. <clears throat> now, um, if we get into the um, selectors, there are a ton in this book, and we're not going to go into them because we've spent a lot of time talking about the units. But we do have... Um, the one that Al talked about. And the, one of the things that you do see with a lot of these, um, yes, you get a little bit a little bit more and a little bit less as far as options. And sometimes there's, as in the first one, um, is one of everything, like a normal reinforced platoon, but you can take up to two anti-tank teams. Um, then, you know, if you go to some of the other options, um, you know... They they give and they take. Some you don't get vehicles. Others you might get a little bit, but you get a, a benefit somewhere else. Um, I don't think any of these are necessarily you know end of the world sea low heights kind of bad. Um, but let's do talk about the tractor factory because I know um, Al wanted to talk about that and it's one of the ones that I wanted to talk about. So you get a lieutenant and your two infantry squads that you have to take are people's militia. So they're inexperienced crap. Um, you can take a captain, you can take a commissar, you can take a front nick commissar, you can take a medic, you can take a forward uh, arty observer, um, and you can take up to four infantry squads, which are people's militia squads, NKVD, naval brigade, or student officer squads. Um, and then you can take one of just about everything else. You can have up to two anti-tank squads. Um, you can have up to two artillery pieces, um, from a wide list of weapons, and you can have up to two tact, uh, tractor factory T-34s. No other tank, self-propelled artillery, or anti-tank vehicles are allowed. You can have up to one vehicle uh, transport full stop, and that's a truck, a half-track truck, or a, a jeep, and you can have up to one tow. 
Um, now, you do get a special rule, which is makeshift defense force. The free, inexperienced rifle squad granted by the Soviet uh, army must, must be replaced with either a free, inexperienced tractor factory, T-34, uh, or two free, inexperienced 37-millimeter AA guns. So, you can have up to four inexperienced um, uh, 37-millimeter AA guns in this list, or up to three Tractor Factory 234s, um, but you don't get your free squad. Is that? Am I reading that rightly? Yeah, you basically replace the free squad with either the tank or the AA guns. Yeah. Personally, but, yeah. if you wanted to do a themed list... Triple T-34s in a regular list. Mm-hmm. That's it's kind of kind of bonkers. They are um, the the cruddy, inexperienced ones, and you are, are required. Your they basic are still armor nine. They are, and but your basic infantry squads are crappy people militia squads as well. So well, you, you take yeah two of them is going to be dirt cheap. You just minimize mm-hmm. them, and then you just load up on NKVD or Naval Brigade. Mm, Naval Brigade and is the way to win. And you still take two anti-tank teams. Mm-hmm. That's still good. Mortar. Yeah. Look, you can, definitely, you can definitely tweak that, I think, for, uh, for an aggressive build if that's what you're going for. But if you want to have fun with it, I think it's also, uh, you know, there's a lot of theme there. Um, the one I wanted to talk about is the next one, which is not a step back. Um, which has a lot more options as far as things go, as far as infantry and weapon options. But the the vehicles, uh, there are no transports. You're not allowed to have any transports at all. Uh, no tows. So that limits what big weapons you can get on the board if they don't start on the board already. But you do get an off-map battery. So this squad doesn't have an air observer, but you can take an arty observer which, because of this special rule, gets to fire twice. Um, so if you want to make your Soviets British, this is the way to do it. And any Soviet unit can be made fanatics at three points per model. So, um, again, fun. Um, I think that's a really, I think that's a pretty good one. Um, if you're planning to play a not transport-heavy vehicle list, um, but yeah. Still got a good range of tanks there, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and the armored cars are good. Uh, the artery is good. The, the thing you need to be cognizant, though, is if you end up playing a mission where you can't start the board with your big gun on the table, it's you can't bring it on and all, and it's dead. So it sort of... Because there's no toes at all. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. Um, any Soviet... Um, selectors you want to talk about, Lee? No, my, my main one that I sort of took an interest in was the tank factory. Yeah. Just the idea of taking three dodgy tanks mm-hmm. works quite well. Just like some of the other books, there are um, a few uh, tank platoon selectors in this as well, which I think is a nice addition and is kind of cool. Um, but shall we get to the, the Germans? Um, oh, I just want to do one quick shout out. Yes. The 1942 Soviet Cavalry Troop. I was going to bring that up last. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's two because there's also a Romanian Cavalry Selector. 
So there's two selectors that allow uh, cavalry armies. Uh, do you want to talk about anything in particular about that, other than the fact that uh, they exist? Just, just the fact that they exist is mm-hmm. cavalry, and you can take your Tachanka, which is your mm-hmm. uh, horse-drawn... M, uh, is it an MMG, isn't it? It is. Just the one Muddy is always going on about. It is. Um, yeah, so... And, but that one, instead of getting your free rifle squad... Uh, you can take an inexperienced T60 or T70 instead. Mm-hmm. So you can take some tanks with it. So, yep. but pretty much all your infantry squads are cavalry. So, yeah, bit of a fun one. I'm sure, some people will be interested in building that up. It's a good theme force. It is. Now, for those Germans who have been German players who have been very jealous of uh, the Silo Heights selector that allows Soviet players to take two tanks. Um, we do have a um, we do have a selector that Al mentioned before, which is Into Hell, which is a reinforced uh, platoon theater selector. Um, the infantry squads that you are forced to take are here infantry squads, here veteran squads, pioneer squads, or Jaeger squads, um, and there are basically those um, in addition to Croat squads. In, um, if you want to add, you can also add uh, Straf uh, Bat troops. Um, you can take up to two MMGs, up to two flamethrower teams. So this is already looking good. Um, but then to throw on top of that, if you look at the tank selection, you can have up to one from a big long list of tanks that I'm not going to go through because there's a million alphabets in there. Or you can take two vehicles from this list, which is the Stug 3. B, C, D, E, or F, or my favorite, the old pig itself, the Stug 33B. Um, so, yeah, you can take two assault guns in this. And uh, the selector special rule says infantry forces tasked with capturing Stalingrad were backed up with several battalions of Stug assault guns to represent the availability of these armored infantry support vehicles. Two can be chosen of any configuration to take up the tank slot. So uh, you can take one tank or you can take two assault guns. So, yep, it's cool. Um, There is a new Panzer uh, Division armored platoon. So if you want to take, you know, your usual tank platoons, you can do that as well. Um, And then, yeah, there's just a bunch of other interesting lists as far as, you know, bring what you can carry in the Operation Thunderclap so there's specific rules that are added that really do sort of mix things up. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is, I'm not, I think I'm done talking about selectors. There's a ton. I highly recommend you guys go through them. Um, our time is just about up though. So I would encourage you to buy the book and take a look. Um, Lee, anything else you want to talk about selector wise? Uh, the Stalingrad armored camp group reinforced platoon. Mm. So that's, um, a slightly modified organizational structure. So you got to take your LT and an infantry squad, being a Panzer Grenadier squad. That's right. Uh, and then you get a tank. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole range of Panzer variants there, twos, threes, fours, and Stugs. Uh, yes. But then you can also take another tank as part of your normal selection. Mm-hmm. So effectively you could run two Panzers two stugs or a combination or you can add mm-hmm. martyrs and flax and that sort of thing uh but all your infantry squads have to be 
put either into a truck or a SDKFZ 251-1. So effectively, it's a um, good way to do a, a mobile armoured build mm -hmm. uh, by giving you access to an extra tank, which is interesting. It is. It's almost like tank platoon light. Um, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think the, yeah, the only thing with it is you're going to burn up a lot of points in half tracks. Take two tanks, mm -hmm. you're probably only going to get three squads. Your dice count's going to be low. Yeah. And that's why the good Lord created trucks and multi-airs. Yes, uh, cheap. Or osts, yeah. So, yeah, that's... Or heavy field cars, which is the cheapest way to get around um, if you're a German, but you can't put the machine guns on them. Anyway, uh, Lee, I think our time is sadly about up. Now, there are urban combat rules, um, but we will go through those um, when we talk to the author of this book coming up. Um, there is also um, you know, a reiteration of some of the uh, bolt-action special rules, but there's campaign rules, so there's a lot of good stuff in this book. Uh, and that's just sort of in the last third of the book. Uh, the first two thirds, of course, are all those missions and history, and it, it just—I really like this book. As Al said before, it's 176 pages of Stalingrad. If you want to play Stalingrad, this is the book for you. Um, would you agree, Lee? What What are your thoughts? Oh yeah, for sure. If you're into themed campaigns and that sort of thing, it's like you know, I quite like the Market Garden book because it's got a lot. On that, that's a particular theatre I'm interested in. Mm. Uh, I think if you're into the Stalingrad side of things, then this is probably going to hit the buttons. Absolutely. So as someone who has a German army and a Soviet army, this book is amazing. Uh, and I will be buying it uh, again for the shelf because I may have torn apart the <laughs> review copy that I have for this, for this uh, episode. Uh, but yes, uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, listening to this. Uh, I know that there has been some criticism lately thrown this way, uh, saying that I haven't done enough bolt-action content. Um, as I said, this is the third uh, bolt-action episode in a row that we are doing on, this, uh, on the Cast Ice Podcast Network. Uh, and then we will have the Stalingrad author interview with a much more in-depth look of the actual conflict and the missions and how it all puts together. I highly recommend you listen to that when it comes out in a couple of weeks. Um, but if you haven't listened to the interview with Alessio talking about um, sort of the rules design process and FAQs, specifically FAQs with bolt action, th that is very interesting listen as well. Um, if you have any feedback for the show, please do uh, message me on Facebook. Um, that's C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E, Cast Dice. I'm the only person who uh, reads those messages, and I guarantee a response. Uh, depending on when I'm asleep, uh, you will get a response very quickly. Uh, anyway, um, guys, I know, as always, podcasts don't cost a lot of money uh, for you to listen to. However... They, you know, they do take time, and you took the time to listen today. So thank you very much for listening. And, Lee, thank you so much for coming on. And thanks, Al, for coming on. I know you're not here, but I'm sure you're listening to this later on. Um, yeah, Lee, I'm sure you'll be back soon. Thank you again. All right, thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, when you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages remain cold. But more than anything else, when you are playing these games, we hope that you are having fun. Good night. Mm -hmm.
that track.